Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm here with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible and your prayer requests. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to pray for you. Hopefully we can answer some of those questions you've been having about as you've been reading the Bible, things that you've maybe wondered about, like what does this mean? How should we understand this? Or maybe there's something going on in your life and you'd like some insight into what the Bible has to say about it. Maybe there's something going on in the world at large and you wonder, how does the Bible speak to this or how does it fit into what the Bible says? Give us a call and we will hopefully answer those questions, bring some clarity to those issues. The number to call is 303-690-3000. You can also call in with your prayer requests. Maybe it's not so much a question you have, but just something going on that you could use prayer for. We'd love to pray for you, so give us a call. Again, 303-690-3000, or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Once again, the text line is 720-336-0897. Nine seven. I want to welcome those of you who are listening here in Colorado. That's where I'm broadcasting from. I'm broadcasting today out of Longmont, Colorado. And I want to welcome those of you who are listening in Colorado and into southern Wyoming on Grace FM, as well as those listening online all over the country and even all over the world on gracefm.com. Welcome to the show. You're hearing the show live today. It is May 27th. It's a Friday and a beautiful day here in Colorado. We've got some cloud cover blocking out that sun. I always joke with my friends who aren't from Colorado. Here's just two things I always say to them about the weather. I say, we only have basically two categories of weather in Colorado. We have uh, snow and laser beams. So that's kind of how it is. The other thing I like to tell them is that um, some places say we have that April showers bring May flowers. But in Colorado, we say April snows bring May snows also. So yeah, uh, we had one of those recently, um, but today, yeah, beautiful day outside here in Colorado. So welcome to those of you listening on Grace FM and gracefm.com. If you haven't yet got the Grace FM app, really encourage you to do that. It enables you to not only um, have all the other stuff that comes with the app, right, which is like there's a Bible reading plan, you can submit prayer requests, etc. But also with that app, you can listen to this show and all the other great Bible teaching programs on Grace FM anywhere in the world, any, anywhere you are. So we got a map here that came up that tells us where people are tuning in today on that app. And so I'll just give a couple shout outs here. We've got a listener in San Francisco. We've got one in Southern Washington. We've got listeners all over Wyoming and New Mexico, Colorado and Texas Throughout the Midwest, a lot of listeners today in Florida and New York. We've got listeners um, around, yeah, the the East Coast area. So welcome to all of you who are tuning in. We've also got some international listeners in Europe. So glad to have you tuning in as well. So that's the benefit to uh, having um, 
having the app is that you can take Grace FM with you. And maybe you have a friend who you say, hey, you should really listen to this radio station, but uh, they don't live in our broadcast area. You can recommend that they download that app and then they, they'll be able to listen wherever they're at. And so even even actually right before the show, I told a friend of mine who is in Berlin, Germany, and I hope he's listening, but I, I told him, hey, tune into the show. Here's how to do it. And so hopefully he's tuning in. But that's the benefit of the online thing. Uh, we also want to greet those who are listening on the East Coast on Hope FM in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland, as well as those listening on Truth FM in Tennessee. We also want to greet those listening on Higher Rock Radio in the Treasure Valley of Idaho, that Boise metro area there. And we want to greet those who are listening on the Radio by Grace network of stations. They have stations all over the United States, particularly in the southern U.S., and we are so glad to have you tuning in, so glad to see how God is growing the listening family here on Calvary Live. Again, the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible and your prayer requests. We're standing by to answer those questions and pray for those prayer requests. So um, just a reminder that those listening on Hope FM and Truth FM, as well as those on Higher Rock Radio, you're hearing the show on a one-week delay. So we don't want that to ever deter you from calling in and being part of the show. Absolutely, you're part of the family, and we want you to to be calling in and taking part. We just want you to be aware that your show in your area locally is airing a week after it aired live on Grace FM and Radio by Grace Network Station. So just keep that in mind, but do give us a call. Again, 303-690-3000, or you can text us at 720-336-0897. We've got some calls coming in and some texts as well, and we're going to get to those in just a moment, but let me first introduce myself to you. My name is Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church, which is located in Longmont, Colorado. I've been the pastor here for now 10 years. Prior to that, I was a missionary with Calvary Chapel in Hungary, where we planted two churches, my wife and I, and uh, did some work over there for, yeah, for a decade. And now we've been here for 10 years. And uh, so our church is located in Longmont, Colorado. We're part of the Calvary Chapel family of churches, even though our name is Whitefields Community Church. And our church is located right in between I-25 and downtown Longmont, right on Highway 119, which is the main highway that runs between I-25 and Longmont and then down into Boulder and up into the mountains. And so if you are traveling on Highway 119 uh, between I-25 and downtown Longmont, go ahead and look to the north and you can't miss us. We have a huge sign on our building. We're right across the street from Sandstone Ranch Community Park and the Walmart that's here on the southeast side of Longmont. And so if you are not just in Longmont, but if you're anywhere in the northern front range that's within driving distance of Longmont, I personally invite you to come and join us this Sunday. Uh, we're currently in a great series studying through the Gospel of John with a big focus on the seven signs or miracles that John's gospel is built around. You know, John says at the end of his letter, he says, you know, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not listed in this letter, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you may have life. And so what we've been doing is, okay, so John gives us seven signs that Jesus performed that show us different aspects, unique aspects, each of them, about who he is. So last week we looked at 
uh, sign number four, which was feeding of the 5,000. This week, we're looking at sign number five, which is when Jesus walked on water. Both of those two miracles are found in John chapter six. And this one's really interesting, uh, which I think all of them are, but this one is particularly because I think it's one of these things where Jesus walks on water. And if you would tell somebody that story, hey, Jesus walked on water, they might say, okay, cool. You know, not everybody can do that. In fact, most people can't do that, right? So that's pretty unique. I guess Jesus is able to do things that other people can't do. And yet, what was? why did John say that this is a sign of who Jesus is and what he came to do? It's actually so much bigger than that. And so we're going to dig beneath the surface, and I can't wait to share that message. So in other words, we're going to show what this sign, what this miracle means for you in your life and what it meant and how it points to who Jesus is and what he came to do. So we'd love to have you. Our address is 2950 Colorful Avenue. So 2950 Colorful Avenue, Longmont, Colorado, and where our zip is 80504, which means we're on the east side of Longmont. And uh, you can find directions and service times on our website, whitefieldschurch.com. That's whitefieldschurch.com. We've got children's programs. We've got youth group on Sundays. We've got oh, opportunities for your whole family to worship with us as we study God's Word and seek Him. And our services are at 8, 9.30, and 11 a.m. on Sunday morning. So 8, 9.30, and 11 a.m. Again, more information and directions, all that good stuff on our website, whitefieldschurch.com. Let's go to our first caller, Matt in Idaho Springs, Colorado. Hi, Matt. Welcome to the program. Hey, how's it going? Going well. Uh, yeah, so my question, uh, did you want me to ask it again? Yeah, please. You're on the air. Uh, yeah, so I was just curious, as as far as the seals go, I'm just trying to get a better understanding of Revelations, and a uh, little confused. I, it seems like the first four seals kind of go together, from my understanding, and then I kind of wanted some clarification on that, and if you believe the seals have started, and just kind of, yeah, I just kind of want to get your opinion on that. <laughs> Yeah, so I do not believe that the seals have started yet. Um, what the seals are, obviously, I think that we would agree on this, but it's um, just for our listeners' sake. The seals, what they speak of is they speak of God's judgment during the time that's known as the Great Tribulation, which is a time of great trouble in the world. And so there's different views on this, right? Like, like where is the church during the tribulation? Is the church on the earth for half of the tribulation? Is the church not on earth for any of the tribulation? Now, I hold a pre-tribulation rapture view. And um, some people would say they hold a pre-wrath view. That's kind of related to pre-tribulation. What they, they would say is that, you know, that, that when the tribulation starts, we might be here for a little bit, but we'll be out of here before the wrath of God begins to be poured out, which is what these... Uh, seals are talking about. And so, um, yeah, just because I hold a pre-tribulation rapture view, and I'll tell you why I do that, it's because I believe that Revelation gives us a chronological um, outline of itself in verse one or chapter 1, verse 19. John, Jesus is speaking to John the Revelator, the one seeing the vision, and he says to write down these things that you have seen, so that's the past, the things that are the present and the things that are yet to be or the things that are going to happen in the future. And 
So John does that. Chapter one is what he has seen, the vision of Jesus Christ. Then chapters two and three, he writes what is, which is the age of the church currently. And then he starts chapter four by using this phrase, after these things or after this. Now in Greek, that is the phrase meta tauta, after this. It's the same phrase that he used in chapter one, verse 19, when he says, the things that are to come, it's the phrase meta tauta. So in other words, if you follow that outline, John is essentially saying the things which are to come begin in chapter four, verse one, which means these things have not yet taken place. And if you notice the way that chapter four begins, it's that John is caught up into heaven and from heaven, he watches with a multitude of other believers. He watches the events that take place down on earth. And so because the seals that takes place in Revelation chapter six, I do believe that we will not be here for that. Um, now, you, you asked what they are. Did you want to jump in there? The, uh, because, and I had heard this, I read up on it, but I was told uh, from another believer that um, after the fourth seal, we are no longer here. Is there uh, kind of anything biblical backing that, or have you heard that before? Yeah, so that's called a mid-tribulation rapture view. Uh, there's a few, you know, I would just say the big reason why people hold that view is because of how they read Matthew 24. In other words, right, these are called hermeneutics, and hermeneutic is a, a lens, like if you're wearing sunglasses, right, and sunglasses were tinted a certain color, you would be inclined to see things a certain way. Well, in the same way, uh, based on how you interpret other verses, then it will shape the way that you interpret verses that you read after that. And so the the reason why people tend to hold a mid-trib rapture view is because of their interpretation of Matthew 24, which in which Jesus is saying, you know, woe, you know, woe to you, pray that it doesn't happen on a, on a Sabbath, right? That these things are, that are going to take place. And he talks about how people are going to have to flee into the desert and all this stuff. And so people say, well, clearly what he's describing is that uh, he's speaking to his disciples and, you know, he's saying that Christians are going to go through this time of the tribulation. And so that's where that mid-trib, and also, by the way, the post-trib uh, views come from that say that believers will go through some of, if not all of, the tribulation. Now, I, I don't believe that that's what Jesus is saying, and I, I think that we should interpret Matthew 24 actually based on the counsel of the rest of Scripture, which I think gives many precedents for the idea that God, before he pours out temporal judgment on the earth, removes uh, his people. We see two examples in the book of Genesis, one with the flood. We see another with uh, Sodom and Gomorrah and this great phrase that's said there in Genesis 18, you know, far be it from you, Lord, to judge the righteous with the wicked. So we see this precedent in the Bible of God removing his people before he brings a temporal judgment for sin on the earth. So because of that, then I read Matthew 24 and I say, okay, is he describing believers going through the tribulation? And my answer is then no. And then what is he describing? Well, he's speaking to a Jewish audience in Jerusalem about things that are going to happen in Jerusalem. And of course, he's creating a record as well for those who will read it later. And so um, that is 
that's um, important to understand. I, I also would say that Matthew 24 is important to read in light of the invasion of Jerusalem by Titus and the Roman legion in 70 AD. So I think it was partially fulfilled at that time, though not fully fulfilled. Okay. Uh, well, that helps a lot. Just for one last clarification. So that interpretation of after the fourth seal. So technically when the seals start, you're saying the tribulation has begun and a rapture after the fourth seal is an interpretation from kind of a mid-trib belief. Yeah, that's what I would say. Okay. Well, that helps me out immensely, and uh, I appreciate it. Yeah, great question, Matt. Keep reading that Bible and seeking those answers, eh? All right. Thanks again. All right. God bless you. Hey, listening to Calvary Live, this is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is a show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible and your prayer requests. Whenever a call ends, like that one just ended with Matt, just know that that means that we have one more open line, so you can give us a call, jump on your phone at that time. And if uh, we have full lines, just save the number in your phone, and that way it'll be a contact that you can just uh, go to much more quickly next time. You won't have to listen for the numbers. The number to call, 303-690-3000. You can also text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to Matt in Loveland, Colorado. Hey, Matt, welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor Nick. Thanks for taking my call. Absolutely. uh, What's up? I kind of always struggled, and I've heard you say it both ways, but I don't. I guess I need some examples of... uh, you know, you say that the, God understands, sees, knows, he's predicted, he knows exactly what the outcome is of every situation, yet he encourages us to pray, and and if, and if and I apologize, my knowledge of the Bible is not what it should be, uh, but I do remember, wasn't there only one instance where one of the disciples was actually able to convince God to change his mind? Am I am I probably putting a couple thoughts together there that don't belong? But how are the, how do those two relate? Do should I pray? Say this is what I would like to see in the situation, or is it predestined? Uh, yeah, yeah, great questions. Um, well, I'll tell you tell you this that it the word predestination is in the Bible, and at least you know two places that I can think of off the top of my head. One is Ephesians chapter one. The other one is Romans chapter eight. And, and yet in those cases, it says in the one case it says that he predestined us to adoption as sons. In the other case, it says that he has predestined us for uh, conformity to Jesus. And so, uh, you know, let's not say like, let's, let's use biblical terminology. If the Bible uses the word predestined, then we should not say, well, it doesn't really mean predestined. You know, that's one of my pet peeves sometimes that people will uh, say, well, does the Bible teach predestination? Well, yeah, it does. But you know what else it teaches? It teaches human agency. And um, now you used a phrase there that God changes his mind. That's another really sticky phrase. And I realize you're just saying it as, you know, just a colloquialism, but in the Bible, there's actually verses that say God is not a man that he should change his mind. And so when we pray, we're not seeking to change God's mind, right? That that gets into an area of, you know, if we were going to 
talk about it with a theological name or definition. We use this term open theism. That means that the future is open. God knows all the potential outcomes, but he doesn't know how it's going to turn out. In other words, God's kind of just like surprised. He's just as surprised as we are, like when things happen. And I would say that that is not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that God knows the end from the beginning. So why pray is your your question. And I would tell you this. There are a lot of things about God, right? And like how God works that are higher than our ways, says that in the book of Isaiah. And we need to keep that in mind that it should, we should expect that there are things about God that are hard for us to wrap our minds around, that are hard for us to kind of just like formulaically draw out. So for example, in the Bible, it says that, yeah, God determines things ahead of time. And in the Bible, it also says that sometimes we don't have things because we don't ask for them, and therefore we should pray. That would be in the book of James, by the way. So if we're told that we don't have things in some case because we didn't pray, or like, for example, in Second Kings, there's a really interesting story where uh, this man is told to pound these arrows on the ground as far as like how many times God should give them victory, but he only does it three times. And God says, you know what? If you would have pounded them more, I would have given you more victory. Like, why, why didn't you ask for more? Why did you ask for less? And, uh, and so we're discouraged from dealing with God in a way that considers him to be fatalistic or things to be, you know, God's just going to do whatever he wants anyway, so why bother praying? We're told to pray like everything depends on our prayers, and yet at the same time we're told that God is sovereign and he, I love Psalm 84, God is in heaven and he does whatever he wants. And so how do those two things fit together? I'm not sure, but I do know this. I have zero control over God's predetermined will or what, what God is, you know, chosen to do in his sovereignty and his, you know, free choice. And I only have control over the agency that God has given me, right? So if he's told me to do something or not do something, I have to choose to do that or not do it. And I'm held responsible for that decision. And so I hold those things in tension, and I totally get where you're coming from. That sounds like it's contradictory, and we're told that it's a paradox, not a contradiction. So we hold these things in tension, and we keep in mind that God's not going to hold us to account for the things that he chose, right? He's going to hold us to account for our choices. And so, so I think that's just where I end on these things is, you know, I've talked before, and maybe you've heard me say this, that I don't like to use the phrase free will. I think that's not a biblical phrase, neither theologically nor is the word found in the Bible. But I do believe that God has given us responsibility and agency and in so much as he has, that's where our focus should be. Right, got it. Okay, thank you. That helps a lot. I, that does that does fine-tune it, so thank you very much. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Hey, thanks for calling in, Matt. We're neighbors. I'm down here just uh, south of you in, in Longmont. Yeah, I've, I've got to get down there, and I've not had a chance to go to one of your services yet, but that's on my, uh, it's on my list, so... Um, yeah, so thank you. appreciate everything you do. Absolutely. When you come down, make sure to come say hi to me. I'd love to meet you. But thanks Definitely for calling in. God bless you. All right, bye-bye. 
Hey, listening to Calvary Live, this is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Taking your calls and texts live on the air, the number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Hey, you know, just uh, speaking about Matt there for a second, he was saying, you know, talking about coming down to our church. I want to just start giving you guys a heads up. We're planning a regional men's conference. We call it the Northern Front Range Men's Conference here at our church. Uh, That'll be coming up in September. We're doing a renovation on our building right now, so we're hoping it'll be done. But if it's not, I just talked to a friend from uh, Cheyenne who we're doing the conference with and uh, this past weekend. We said, if we're not done, then what we'll do is we'll just theme the conference around the topic of of construction. So it'll be good. Yeah, it'll be September 23rd and 24th at our church here at, at Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. It'll be the Calvary Chapel Northern Front Range Men's Conference. Maybe just pencil those dates in for now and we'll get you more information as it gets closer. Let's go to our next caller, Sydney in Alabama. Hi, Sydney. Welcome to the program. Sydney. We might have lost Sydney. Uh, sometimes when people hold for a long time, Things come up, they have to go. So, Sydney, we appreciate you holding for the time that you did. And I see your prayer request in here. Sydney had asked for us to pray for him and his family, especially for his family members to be saved. So, let's go ahead and do that now. Heavenly Father, we pray for Sydney. We ask, Lord, that you would bless his family. We pray that you would give Sydney just wisdom. I'm not sure if he's a father figure or if he's a son, but Lord, I pray for his family. I ask that your blessing be upon them. I pray that every member of his family would know you, that they would have a heart of devotion to you and repentance that is turning away from other things that they hoped in and trusted in besides you and turning to you. And so, Lord, I also pray for specifically for these family members to be saved, for them to believe in you. Maybe they've had the seeds of your word planted in their hearts over time. Lord, we pray that those seeds of the gospel would not be plucked out by the enemy, Lord, that they would fall on fertile soil, that you would till the ground of their hearts to receive the seed of your word, and that when it goes in, Lord, it would take root and that it would produce much good fruit in their lives for their sake and for the benefit of others. So Lord, we do pray for them to be saved. And Lord, I pray for all of our listeners right now. I'm sure all of us can think of someone that we wish knew you. And so Lord, we pray for those people right now and ask, Lord, that you would cause scales to fall from their eyes, Lord, that you'd open their ears and open their hearts that they might hear and understand your word. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady here with you today, taking your calls and texts live on the air. And we moved through a bunch of calls. We had full lines, and we moved through all those calls very quickly, which means that we now have all open lines. And so I'd love to hear from you. I'm here today answering your questions about the Bible. If you're curious what the Bible teaches or what it says or what a particular passage means, Maybe you're curious what the Bible has to say about a particular situation going on in the world or in your life personally. You can give me a call. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. That's 720-336-0897. Again, the text line is open as well. And we are about to go to our break. 
So I just want to tell you, if you call in, we get you on right after the break. Again, 303-690-3000. Hey, something you can be praying for and that we might pray for here. We've got um, just a little bit of time until our break. Let's pray right now for the situation in Ukraine with the invasion and uh, all the suffering that's going on there. Heavenly Father, we lift up to you the situation in Ukraine, Lord, for all the people who are uh, who have had to flee their homes, for those who have been injured, for those who have no homes to return to. Lord, we pray. We know that you are near to the brokenhearted. And Lord, in this world right now, we have so many things to be brokenhearted over. Everything from Uvalde, Texas, Buffalo, New York, uh, war in Europe. Lord, we ask that you would be near to those who are suffering right now. And Lord, that you would bring comfort and hope in you, the Prince of Peace, who's going to bring ultimate peace beyond this world. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, we'll be right back in two minutes' time after this break. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm here with you today and every Friday taking your phone calls and your text messages, praying for you and your prayer requests, and also answering your questions about the Bible and the things of God. So I'd love to hear from you. I think we have all open lines right now, so it's a great time to call in with your questions and your prayer requests. The number to call, 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. That's 720-336-0897. 0897 for the text line. And once again, the call in line for your Bible questions and your prayer requests is 303-690-3000. Well, uh, we had uh, this question texted in. Someone asked, how are you raising your kids intentionally and differently from the world? And what would you recommend because of the current cultural climate? Man, so many thoughts come to mind. I'll just, uh, I'm just going to shoot from the hip, okay? So whatever, whatever, the, whatever comes to my mind, whatever the Holy Spirit brings to my mind right now. I'll tell you one of the things that I really uh, have been convinced about is that um, maturity is being able to use discernment for yourself. And so I've been want, I want to be one who teaches my kids discernment. I do realize that the home is a place where there should be sheltering. So I'm not against like the idea of sheltering, right? Um, I think the world can be a pretty, pretty, a brutal place that chews you up and spits you out. And so I want our home to be a refuge, but at the same time, I also uh, don't want to shelter my kids to the point where they don't learn to interact with things uh, in a critical way. And I mean, critical, not in the spirit of being a critical person or cynical. I mean, engaging critically, meaning critical thinking about life and the world. And so um, we actually send our kids to, um, you know, public school. And I think that that's been one of the, one of the things that we did that we were also, um, you know, concerned that in doing that, you know, are we exposing them to bad influences? What we found is actually, uh, it's been really good for our kids to interact with people who are not Christians and, and they're able to see like people who are not Christians are not 
necessarily so to say bad people right i understand badness and like the idea that we are all sinners but the idea that good people so to say also need the gospel and i i know there's been so many uh, meaningful interactions with my kids where my kids have said you know how could it be like for my for example my teacher she doesn't know jesus and yet she's so nice and i say well that's that's precisely it like the, that being right with God, being saved, being forgiven, it has nothing to do with our personal niceness. It has everything to do with who Jesus is and what he's done for us. And so I think it's been good for my kids to have a lot of interactions with people who are outside of the Christian space um, because it's really you know, taught us that we are a family, we are people as Christians who are on a mission and God's mission for us is to spread the light of the knowledge of him in the dark places of the world. And so that that's one thing that we've done. Um, and yeah, so differently from the world, yeah, I think that we're just a lot more careful with the the things that they do have exposure to, you know, because we want them to to interact with those things when they're ready and with discernment. And so I think another big part of how we raise our kids is that we we really believe in God's work through the local church, right? It's not like we don't just go to church because I'm a pastor. We're like, I'm a pastor because I truly believe, based on Scripture, that God's uh, chosen the church to be a tool for the formation of believers, for the equipping of believers, and for the transformation of individuals and societies. And so we you know, have our kids in church and um, we, we try to make sure that that's a big part of it. We try to read the Bible at home and pray with our kids and we try to bring the gospel into every situation. So those are, those are things that come off the top of my head. Um, as far as the current cultural climate, we tend to try to discuss things that are going on in the world and discuss them and say, okay, now what, is, what does the Bible say about that? How should we understand that from a Christian perspective as people who love Jesus and treasure his word. So hope that answers your question. Thanks for texting that in. Uh, you're listening to Calvary Live. The number to call with your questions about the Bible and your prayer requests is 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000, or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to Betty Jane in uh, Jenkintown, Pennsylvania. Betty, did I pronounce the name of your town right? Yes, you did. Okay, good. I'm glad. Yeah, thank you. So uh, I have a daughter who is uh, the mother of my grandson, and she and her husband and my grandson live in California. He's 12. And ever since he stopped asking me questions about the Lord, um, he his He's, he's depressed. He's become depressed. And uh, he, he has autism. He's high-functioning. He does slap. But um, he, uh, he's really a nice boy, and he asks, he asks very intelligent questions. And they've really uh, squished it, very squished it. My, they, I, I had Core Church of L.A. send my daughter a Bible for him, and they threw it out. Uh, and... Uh, so it's really serious, and she has said some very sad things to me about, you know, that she would do everything she could to prevent Dominic from knowing Jesus. And, uh, you know, God has a plan, 
and I, I pray uh, for him all the time and for her and for her husband. But uh, it's, it's pretty sad, you know, uh, but yeah. I do believe God has a, a magnificent plan. You know, that's why, is, yeah. that's why the idea in the Bible, this imagery that's used over and over of the word of God being like a seed, right, that gets planted in soil. Because that's the thing about seeds, right? You plant a seed and you don't see the effect of it immediately. In fact, you don't see it for a long time in some cases, but it doesn't mean that it's not growing. So just because you can't see anything on the surface doesn't mean that something isn't happening below the surface. That's the great image and the promise also of God's word being like a seed. So let's just pray that those seeds that have been planted and and I would encourage you keep planting them because you may not see the results right away on the surface, but that's the hope and the promise that God's word is working even when you can't see it. So I just encourage you keep planting those seeds and trusting that God is able to, to cause those seeds to germinate. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm looking out my window right now uh, towards the mountains, but in front of me, you know, there's a parking lot with asphalt and you know what, in between the cracks and the asphalt, there's all kinds of things growing up. And that tells me that uh, seeds that are planted, they can grow up in the most unlikely places. Right. Right. Yes. Yeah. So I, I really believe that he will be a godly, you know, he will, he has a godly man in there. I just believe it. I just know it. I, he asked really great questions and, uh, at times. So. Okay. Well, let's pray for him. Yeah. Heavenly Father, we pray for Betty Jane's grandson. We ask, Lord, that through the fog of, um, of autism, Lord, we pray that through the, uh, the difficulties that he might have with his mom and his situation, Lord, we pray that these seeds of the gospel will be planted so clearly and so powerfully in his heart. Lord, that you would cause them to germinate, to take root. And Lord, that there would be work going on under the surface, even now in his heart. And I pray for her, Lord, for Betty Jane, that you give her wisdom with how to best and most effectively plant seeds in the future in his life. And Lord, we do pray that those seeds that have been planted, Lord, they would grow up and produce fruit in his life and that he would grow up to know you and walk with you and trust you. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. In, Je in Jesus' name, thank you so much. My pleasure. God bless you. Thanks for calling in. Okay, thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Right, Listening to Calvary Live, this is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to our next caller, Melissa in Tennessee. Hi, Melissa. Welcome to the program. Hey, I got one. I got a question. Um, how did we get different races when we came from Adam and Eve? Mm -hmm. Yeah, great question. And it's, it's one that's pretty simply answered. I mean, um, the Bible would teach that we all came from one common ancestor. And so you might ask, well, why do we have different languages, different customs, even different skin tones? Well, actually, you know, I mean, Skin tones really is just a matter of how much pigment is in your skin. And so if you think about it, somebody from like, let's say, Middle East area has kind of a, a darker skin tone, but not as dark as say someone from uh, Africa generally, or someone from like Southern India. And so, but, but the ability 
to over time develop those darker skin tones or to develop those lighter skin tones exists in a person who has that much pigment. And so it would, it makes total sense, right? That people, it says after in the Bible, after the flood, that people moved off in different areas. And as they spread out, right, as we know through genetics and things like that, uh, some people in different areas had darker skin. Some people had lighter skin and uh, different languages, customs developed. And that's all. It's just literally developed uh, from one common ancestor. And you know what's really interesting is that, um, let's say, well, I, I use this term carefully, but to say secular science, right? Meaning uh, science that isn't taking the Bible into consideration. In the past, they, um, they had different explanations for how we got different races. One of the main explanations was that different groups of people evolved completely independent of each other, right? And so like this was a view that was held, um, let's say, late, 18, late 1800s, early 1900s, including by people like um, the, the Nazis, right? So part of their whole justification for why it was okay to persecute certain groups of people is that they said they were less human, that they were less evolved, and that, you know, the European race was more evolved, the African race was less evolved, and they said the Jewish people were the least evolved. And so they justified treating them in inhumane ways by saying that they weren't actually human. And so what's so interesting is that since that time, those ideas have been rejected by secular science. And they say, it isn't that African people and European people and Asian people all uh, evolved separate from one another. Rather, we actually all come from common ancestors. So again, we've, this is another one of those areas where we've come full circle as we've grown in understanding DNA and all of these things. We've come to realize in secular science, apart from the Bible, has come to agree with the Bible and say, okay, those previous explanations we had for where our different races came from are, are not correct um, because we now know that we did all come from one common ancestor, which is what the Bible's been saying all along before it was even cool. So um, does that answer your question? Yes, it does. If I could, I'd like to ask one more quick one. It won't take long to ask it. Okay. I got baptized when I was like 11 or 12, something like that, but I fell away because I was just a child. And now I'm a, an adult in my 50, 50, and I feel like I need to be baptized again. Do I, would I need to be baptized again, or is that one time good enough? Yeah, great question. You know, um, I counsel people on this pretty often, and here's, here's what I tell them. I tell them, look, what matters is that you believe in Jesus and you follow Jesus. Be a disciple and trust in him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And if you do that, you know, you could look back at your baptism and say, you know what? I was baptized as a child. That wasn't my choice. It didn't reflect what baptism's meant to be, which is a public declaration of saying, I have died to who I was apart from Christ. And I've been born again to new life in Christ. And therefore, I feel that I should be baptized again as a follower of Jesus in obedience to Jesus. Since when I was, when I did it as a child, I either didn't understand what I was doing or it wasn't my choice. And I would fully support somebody who chooses that. On the other hand, I've had people say, you know, I was baptized as a child. I didn't believe, but then I came to believe later. And isn't that in a way validating my prior baptism? 
And to somebody who says that, I wouldn't disagree with them. I wouldn't try to talk them out of that and convince them that they need to be baptized again. Um, I would really leave it up to their their choice and also the work of God, their interaction with God and the Holy Spirit to to lead them in that. Um, most people I found choose to be baptized again. And like I said, I support that. And for those who say, you know what, it was just validating my prior baptism and I don't want to I don't want to pretend that that baptism meant nothing to that. I, I say, you know what? I, I respect that choice as well. So that's where I'm at with it. I think that you should uh, ask yourself some of those questions, you know, and if you have a desire. Yeah, I think it can be that. Um, yeah, I, I think especially if you're saying I didn't know what this meant or or I didn't really, you know, fully comprehend what I was saying or doing, then I think that there's a good reason to be baptized again. I wouldn't Thank say you me. should get in the habit of being baptized, you know, every couple months, uh, you know, like if you, if you, let's say you fall away and do some things that you regret. I don't think that, that you need to be baptized like over and over again. Let's put it that way. All right. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Yeah. Thanks for calling in. God bless you. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church. I'm taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is a show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible and your prayer requests. We've got two open lines, the number to call, 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to our next caller, Jack in Edgefield, South Carolina. Hi, Jack. Welcome to the program. Hi. I, I, first of all, I really appreciate this program. It's uh, I, I listen to it pretty much every day on my drive home, and uh, it's it's really helpful and interesting. And I just kind of wanted to uh, my, my question, want to follow up, actually, uh, on the, one of the earlier callers. I have four children, and I have uh, ten grandchildren, and I've had conversations, questions from my for my kids, for my adult kids, about school and especially these days and all that sort of thing. And I know my kids, we did different things with the kids based on the kid part of it mm. and just the overall circumstances that we were under. And I think some of the kids, some of my, my kids, they went to Christian school for a while. And then when they got a little bit older, they went to, they went to public school. Um, I was curious as to, you know, you were talking about your kids, and, and if you, I was curious as to what their age ages were or, and, you know, if you think there's a difference between, like, going to elementary school mm -hmm. as a child, you know, to a public school or going to high school as a public school. Yeah, so, okay, so I have four kids total. One of them is the oldest one. He's adopted out of guardianship, so we got guardianship over him when we lived in Hungary and he was already a teenager. He was in eighth grade when he moved in with us and we raised him from that point. He's now in his twenties. He's married, just doing super well, which we're really blessed about. When we came to the U S after you know, he's Hungarian. And when we came to the U S after leaving Hungary, he went to, we enrolled him in a Christian school, a Longmont Christian school, which is a K through 12 school here in our town. 
and he he really had a great experience. We were really happy with that experience. He was in a really nurturing and loving environment. You know, what was interesting is that for him, coming from Hungary, uh, you know, in Hungary, there are fewer Christians, just as is true in general of Europe, fewer really committed, born-again believers. And so the only thing he ever knew of Christianity was like, if you say that you're a Christian and you identify in that way, then in Hungary, they don't have a lot of nominal Christians, right, who are Christian in name only. So when he came to the U.S., he thought he's going to this Christian school. Everybody there is going to be an on-fire believer, just like everybody he knew who called themselves a Christian back in Hungary. And he was really shocked that that wasn't the case, right? He would come home and tell me, he goes, yeah, these people, they say they're Christian. Then they'll go to like chapel and they'll like raise their hand and praise. And then they'll like sin and like they act like they're not even Christians after that. And we're like, yeah, man, that's, that's you know, part of part of what happens here in the U.S. It's part of our, our culture, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, my two boys, my two younger boys went to Christian school until, until they, until we moved in, in high, in high school to a, to a, um, to a public school. And they, um, the older one who went first, he came back home and he goes, okay, now I understand what's going on. There's, I know who the Christians are. At public school, when I went to Christian school, um, everybody was a Christian, whether they wanted to be or not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, that that's there's something to be said for that. You know, I grew up, I'll tell you my story, I grew up going to Lutheran school. And I look back on that now, and I'm really appreciative of everything I got out of that Lutheran school. I don't want to say anything disparaging about it. But... I, I would say that I was I was confirmed Lutheran, but I was not truly born again until I was 16. I ended up going to a public high school, and so spent all four years at the same public high school here in Denver. And it was actually at that school that I I became a born again believer, really gave my life to the Lord. And then you know it was almost like when I went to school, there was a definite difference. Like to be a Christian. It was not assumed that everybody's a Christian. In fact, I had a couple friends who were Christians and it was kind of like, you know, hey, we're Christians and we need to bond together because, you know, we're the only ones around here. And and it was it was actually really good. I think it prepared me for life in the world. And maybe that's part of my bias. But uh, again, I also would never disparage or talk down or even maybe even try to convince somebody who wants to put their their children in Christian school to not do so. Um, and same for homeschool, right? I would say, hey, seek the Lord, consider the different options, and whatever you do by your kids, you know, I just pray that God uh, blesses you in it um, so much. But but again, I, I tell you the reasons why I do what I do. So yeah. we, we have I one thought, who... I thought you might say that. I, I, you know, my grandchildren are all over the place. Some are in public school, some in private Christian school, some homeschool, and I just know with my kids, it was, you know, we we did it with each one kind of individually. Sometimes they were in one kind of school or another based on really what the Lord's leading was. And I think that's really important that, like you talked about before, is let the Lord lead you and follow his leading and, and pay close attention. Don't don't count on the school or, or even the church necessarily. I mean, you, we have to raise our own kids in, in, in yeah. Christ. Yeah, that's right. You know, if you're sending your kids to Christian school, expecting your school to disciple them for you, um, I think there are some ways in which Christian school 
makes it harder for kids to really um, follow Jesus. And, and of course, you know what? There are also ways in which public school exposes them to a lot of things which make it hard to follow Jesus. And so, you, you know, there's, there's ditches on both sides of the road, if you will. And so you got to be very prayerful in as you do it. So, thank you, thank you very much for that. I appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. Hey, thanks for calling in, Jack. Good, good to hear from yeah. you. All right, bye bye. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. We've got a few minutes left in the show. Let's go to Benny in Alabama. Hi, Benny. Welcome to the program. Benny. Okay, well, I see Benny's question, and it's one that I'll answer here on the air. Benny's question was, why do some people think it's okay for Christians to drink alcohol after being saved? Well, Benny, one reason for that is that what is prohibited in the Bible and in the New Testament as well as the Old Testament is drunkenness, right? And so that's the thing about drinking alcohol that's maybe different than smoking marijuana, which of course is a something that we answer a lot of questions about here in Colorado is that with alcohol, you can do it in moderation to the point where you're not drunk. Um, it doesn't mean it's a good idea. It doesn't mean that you should It just means that it's not prohibited by the Bible. And, um, you know, Paul told Timothy to drink some wine to benefit his stomach. We're told that Jesus created wine as his very first miracle or sign in the gospel of John chapter two at a wedding feast so that the party could continue. And that was a fulfillment of some old Testament prophecies that said that on Mount Zion, right? The, the time that is to come when God will reign over all the earth, that it will be like a wedding feast full of aged wine. So there you go. There's the aged wine, which is important because sometimes people are like, Oh, well that just means unfermented grape juice. But aged wine definitely means that it, it has alcohol in it. And so, listen, I, I would never encourage anyone. Like, I would never go out and tell someone, hey, you should drink alcohol. Never. But you know what? I'm also not going to go out and tell someone um, that the Bible prohibits something that doesn't prohibit, right? And so I'm just, that would be like what the Jews used to do in Jesus' time. They created what they called the fence around the law. In other words, here was the law, which is what the Bible says, here's what you should do and shouldn't do. And they said, well, just so that we're careful not to ever break God's law, let's make some extra rules in addition that are, you know, putting a fence, a barrier that's even broader so that we never even come close to it. Right. So, so for example, they, they wouldn't, and this is something that Jesus was always going up against, right? Like for example, in John chapter five, Jesus heals this man who's been lame, tells him to pick up his mat and carry it. Well, there's literally Jewish writings from before the time of Jesus that said, you know what you can't do on a Sabbath day? You can't pick up your mat because that constitutes work. Now, Jesus, obviously the word of God had said, don't work on the Sabbath, but they defined what it meant in a way that went beyond what the scripture said, right? So they were making a fence around the law. It would be wrong for us to do that. And Jesus opposed the, the, the fact that they did that, by the way. So again, I, uh, I do not recommend that anyone do it. Um, but I also don't want to go beyond what scripture says. And I see, I just got a text message. Someone said, what do you say to those questions about marijuana? Yeah. I'll just answer that real quick. Um, the question about marijuana, I think is pretty clear, right? What's forbidden in the Bible is intoxication, right? Doesn't mean, oh, it's, it's okay to be intoxicated with things other than alcohol. Um, but as long as you're not intoxicated with alcohol, clearly the issue is intoxication uh, for the purpose of intoxication, 
right? And so I think that's where the, the marijuana thing or any other illicit drug or any other substance, right, that, that is mind-altering, what it's saying in Ephesians chapter 5, do not be under the controlling influence of any substance, but be under the controlling influence of the Holy Spirit, right? So I don't want to be under the controlling influence. I don't want to be in, a, in an altered state that makes me do things I wouldn't normally do or makes me uh, prone to do things I wouldn't normally do. Uh, and so I would say, like, with marijuana, it's very different than alcohol in the sense that uh, with marijuana, like, it, you're not doing it in moderation for the taste. You're doing it for the purpose of getting high. And th there's intoxication right there. And and again, that, that applies to people who abuse pills and whatever it might be. We're talking about the same thing. We're talking about an altered state. And, and again, why are you needing that altered state? Is it not because um, there's something you're seeking, which you should be seeking from Jesus, but you're seeking it in this other way? In that case, I would say, man, that's a gospel issue. That's a hard issue. And so, yeah, that, that would be my answer to that. Hey, before we end our show today, I want to pray for Pastor Ed Taylor. Uh, today is the nine-year anniversary of him losing his oldest son, Eddie. So let's Please join me in praying for them at the end of the show here. Heavenly Father, we lift up to you, Pastor Ed and the Taylor family. We know it's a very hard day for them. We ask, Lord, that you'd bring comfort to their family. And Lord, thank you for the hope of resurrection and the hope of the gospel. We lift them up to you, ask that you be near to them and comfort them today. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thank you for tuning in today. You've been listening to Calvary Live. My name is Nick Cady. If you are in or around Longmont, Colorado, we'd love to have you join us for service this Sunday. 8 a.m., 9.30, and 11. Directions and everything else you need are available at whitefieldschurch.com. That's whitefieldschurch.com. Have a safe drive, and God bless you. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.